0: Welcome to the Small Acre Hunting Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anything and Driving everything that is white-tailed deer related. Hills, to the closest mountain. place, to heaven I know. Heading north through Kentucky, to the only place I'll ever come. Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of the Small Ear Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Miller. And just because I've had some people asking, that actually, that intro song is actually from a local artist in my area. He grew up, actually went to school with my wife. His name's Zach Bois and that's back home again in Indiana. Be sure to check it out. He actually has a new album coming out, so if you uh, like what you hear, go ahead and check out Zach DuBois. And a, and a shout out or a thank you to him for... Uh, allowing me to utilize that song a long time ago and I've, I've greatly appreciated it and used it through over the years uh both for facebook youtube i had to stop using it on youtube because they won't let me monetize the page although probably only make a few bucks a year on youtube so i may just restart using it but uh if there's any copyrighted material even though i have written permission from zach obviously it, it is a copyrighted thing and the uh, I think it's the producer or the uh, agency is who's filing the claim, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get this uh, episode started, if you will, and a little less uh, talk and a little bit more action, I guess you could say. But in this episode, we're going to talk about, as the title says, Big Buck Tendencies. Um, now, just so you guys are aware and I understand, there's probably those of you following this podcast that have shot bigger bucks than me. Um I think everything is relative to the area that you are, the amount of pressure you hunt, and just the overall landscape that you are around and you hunt. There's listeners right now that are in Iowa. This is going to pertain to you as well. I think big bucks um, are big bucks no matter where they are. And when I say big bucks, I guess I should classify that more so less big bucks than mature bucks. Um, The older demographics, you know, once they start slipping into the three, four, five year old range, they really start uh, acting like different creatures, if you will. So, And and any of us that have spent enough time in the woods and and tried to start targeting these deer at some point in our hunting careers have realized it's a whole different ballgame to pursue um, not only just mature deer in in general, but trying to hone in on one or two target bucks, uh, if you will, in a given year. And there was a discussion on a Facebook page earlier asking, you know, what do you do to get a leg up on the bucks that you're chasing, you know, if you've got that one special buck, what do you do? And I had to share a tactic that I've done over the years. Um, and that's, I catalog everything in detail in an Excel spreadsheet. Now it may seem, you know, like, Oh, well that, that makes sense. Ty, a lot of us do this in some fashion. And, and I understand there's software out there that'll do this for you. That'll track trail cam images and stuff like that. But I like to have control over what I'm tracking. So, I custom make these spreadsheets for myself, and sometimes it's for different deer. There's different things that I will input into it. Um, Bo, which is actually a deer at the Homestead property, was actually probably one of the first deer that that we we were still pretty young. And when I say we, I mean me and my pops, we had been hunting a while, but, you know, we were pretty young in our mature buck hunting, I guess you could say. I had already lucked into or, or capitalized on a few really nice deer, some older deer, but uh, Bo was the first buck that kind of we just he didn't seem we didn't seem to know what he was going to do, and I think partially it was because we never really logged all his movements. We never really broke down and looked okay with X wind during this time of the year, during this weather, during this crop rotation, during this moon phase. You know, try to catalog all these things to try to see if there's any kind of correlation to his tendencies. Now you will hear throughout this entire podcast, I rarely. I'm going to use, I'm going to try not to even use the word pattern. And there's a word for, there's a reason for that. The, the word patterned is, is thrown out there, um, sadly, by even some of the people that I look up to, some of the guys who I think are better hunters than me, but I think it's a misused word. Um, by definition, a pattern is something that never repeats. It never, um, you know, if a deer comes out at this spot at this time, he's going to do the exact same thing next time. Well, that's just not the case. A pattern is a never-ending, never-changing rhythm or consistent uh, occurrences. It, big bucks are anything but that, but they have tendencies. You know, I, had a, I followed a buck junior at the Swamp property for over four years. Sadly, he, his, he met his demise um, late in 2015 uh, in November. He totaled a small four-door sedan. And uh, But that was the way he met his doom. But he was a buck that I knew with a slight northwest wind or a slight northeast wind. For whatever reason, a direct strong north wind, he didn't do it as much, but he would always use a certain bedding area. If it was any west-northwest or uh, through to uh, east-northeast winds, he would always find himself in this northern bedding, it seemed like, until one year when splits or uh, kicks came in and kicked him out. But then he started doing it again the next year. And I, I, I knew all this because I was logging every single sighting of him or trail cam picture of him. Um, now, we only suspect that I saw him one time while on stand and I had dogs chase him off during midday. But the spreadsheets that I tracked, you know, I on these spreadsheets, I enter every single instance, basically, where we know where he was and we know the direction he was heading, at least in that time frame. Um, trail cam video is always a better... Uh, thing with this. However, I try to not do video as much because most of the time the cameras that I'm relying upon for the best data are closer to the bedding areas that I suspect he is at. Um, And the reason why I don't like video is simply because that eats up your battery life faster. So I will set it for a three photo burst and I will set it for a very short trigger interval. Um, in between pictures because I wanna take the most amount of pictures as I, as I possibly can and kind of be able to judge his motion based upon those three photos. Now obviously a deer can circle back around. They, you could have caught him just on a, on a whim. He could have been, you know, a chipmunk could have startled him and he ran one way in the frame and then he ran back the other way and you didn't get it. But for the most part, I can get a pretty clear image of what time it was when he was at this location. So I logged the time, the location, If it's uh, not in the evening, I will I will do the pre-dawn wind. I will do the 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 wind that is present at the time of the picture. So I have two wind entries there. I will do uh, the which direction he is heading, Um, and the demeanor or status. I think is what I have in there, and that is: does it look like he's going to bed? Is he following a doe? Was he startled? Um, was he running, you know, just kind of an overall demeanor status note that kind of attempts to capture what that deer is doing at that time. You know, is he heading off to food? Was, did he look like he was working a scrape? Maybe he was with a doe. You had pictures of a doe just prior heading in there as well. Um, maybe he's all bristled up. Meaning he's either going to get aggressive towards another buck because they're having some territorial issues or there's another doe in there and there's another buck in there and, you know, it's getting heated. And I just log everything that I possibly can. I will log the moon phase. Um, I'm trying to think what are some of the other features that I will log in there. Um, Sometimes, oh, barometric pressure is one. Um, However, myself, I've, I've noticed the correlation with barometric pressure, at least that I have seen personally. It's when it makes a big swing is when they move. Um, or are more more active i guess you could say i never really have noticed with a specific deer a connection to his movements and barometric pressure or locationary movements Um, maybe just movements in general i have seen when the barometric pressure swings big time is when the deer seem to get up off their feet which makes sense it's either before or after some kind of weather change typically speaking um i will log uh if I didn't already mention, I will log the weather conditions, so is it raining, is it overcast, is it, you know, it's just stuff like that. Um, I have noticed at times it seemed, although I probably can't say that I have enough data to back the fact that I, I know without a doubt that there were certain deer that on cloudy days they preferred bedding in certain locations, um, but it's been a long known thing or, or something that you hear people talk about. You know, some deer love to sun themselves, some deer love to be setting in the shade, um, especially the temperature plays a role in that as well. A deer's not going to be setting out in the sun in the middle of the summer in a 98-degree day. They're just not. Um, they're going to try to attempt to be as cool as possible, and that's just going to be counterintuitive for them to do that. But these bucks that we, we chase and we pursue – You know, we have the ability to analyze their movements and begin to predict based upon these tendencies that we're collecting. You know, if you're if you're really serious about pursuing these deer, this is by far the biggest way to begin to have an idea of their tendencies um, and not relying upon other people or not relying solely on, you know, oh, I got a cell phone camera and boom, oh, he's there and he's moving, you know. Us average Joes, we're not going to afford that and we're not going to outfitters that do all this work for us. We are doing this. And we only have ourselves to blame if we're not putting ourselves in the best case scenario to capitalize on these deer. Um, Another great example that I have seen firsthand is at the Swamp property. It's probably our biggest buck potential property as far as age of deer, size of bucks, um, you know, one of the bucks I was after last year got shot by a neighbor, and it was just shy of, of uh, 185. I think it I think it was like 183 or 182. It netted um, amazing deer. So I mean, this 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 has the potential. This property, but uh, there was a buck. That I'll just call him the Christmas Buck for the, for the podcast sake because every single year by the time Christmas would roll around, he was always there. Typically, he would always show up sometime between, I think it was December 15th and December 21st, every single year. This was a buck that we would never get pictures in the summer of. We would never get pictures in September, October, November, even early December, but like clockwork every single year, right in middle to before Christmas in December, this buck would show up and he'd stick around for a while. Um, he might be there for two or three weeks, it would seem, and we knew that his tendency was, and I'm only guessing here, but it's an educated guess based upon everything that we've seen. You know, we all know that does come into estrus in cycles, and probably his area, one of the things he does is during that late season, that post-rut, when there's fewer and fewer does, coming into heat or still remaining in heat he is out seeking new areas that he has not checked and this is in that that wider oval of pattern that he does every year but he doesn't do often because the only reason he's doing it is swinging out to check on does in our area and he did that three or four years in a row Um, I think this last year was the first year we didn't get any pictures of him so and he already looked like a really old deer Um, I I became uh, acquaintances with the guy who shot that big buck that I was telling you about and he knows of the buck. I showed him pictures of it and he said, yeah, that buck's been around for over six, seven years that he knows of. And uh, so that deer was probably, we estimate, at least an eight or nine because he thinks the first year he saw that deer, it was a three or four-year-old deer. So we're talking about a nine to 11-year-old deer. And uh, he very well may have just died because of old age. Um, This other gentleman and myself, neither of us know about that deer dying. So one could assume that it probably just finally met its demise or maybe he's out of the breeding cycle. Maybe he has gotten to the age where biologists do say that sometimes the older and older these deer get, um, often they don't even partake in the rut. They don't partake in the breeding and uh, they've, there's been studies that have shown even deer as young as five or six years old will really start stepping back in the breeding and they may only breed a handful of does a year, some as low as two or three. So, that could be the case. However, again, that shows the tendencies of that buck were so predictable that I knew if I had a buck tag during that time frame, that was the time frame that I was going to have a chance at that specific deer. Now, we only got daytime images of him once or twice. A lot of times he was skirting uh, morning or evening, but a lot of it was overnight. But still, I knew he would be in the vicinity and that would be the highest chance that I would have on this deer to harvest him Based upon cataloging his movements. Um, Now obviously this can get tiring. This can get time consuming. Um, It takes a long time even per image to put it over into Excel. Put in the data. Put in everything. I usually have weather underground up to get the prevailing winds. And things of that nature. So I've got a couple different screens going. If you're working on one screen it can get really hectic. Um, I have two at, in the man cave. I'm hoping to get a third monitor, and that really will help. However, that's one of the things that I guess my advice to you would be don't do this for every single buck on your property. Do this for only bucks that you just can't seem to figure out, or pick one or two. You know, right now, if I were to do this, I'm actually getting set to do this with Bertier or Gary from last year. It's the same deer, um, hence Gary Bertier, hence the name change. But it, it changed because it's one side now is a funky, non typical. Um, check out Facebook or YouTube to see videos of Bertier. He's a really cool-looking deer. He blew up on the right side. His left side looks like a hand of some kind, just straight up. It's the weirdest thing ever. Um, But I'm going to log his movements from last year, and then I'm also going to log his movements from this year. However, this year he kind of transitioned into taking over a new bedding area, so I'm going to rely more on his movements this year, and I'm going to focus uh, really strongly on the month, the end of August, and the month of September when the food sources around us were changing, um, the beans were yellowing, and his use of that bedding area based upon pre dawn winds, daytime winds, and just really honing in on that and seeing if I can find a correlation or a connection. Because the one thing I've noticed about every single deer that I've pursued, very, very few of them don't have. Some kind of tendency, or multiple kinds of tendencies. The issue is is trying to figure out what that tendency is, and then how we as hunters can capitalize upon it. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. And I think there's some hunters out there they they do this innately. They do it without even thinking. Um, But those of us that can I guess, do it naturally, I guess you could say, you know, use Excel. Use some kind of tracking system. I've met guys. If you watch the jury outdoors, I I forget who it is. I think it's Terry. He has a catalog. I mean, he catalogs every single uh, trail cam uh, image in a notebook. Um, I'm not sure he does it for every big buck, but I have met guys that literally they keep hand-drafted notes on these things. Just anything that's keeping it in your mind, and you begin to form these connections in this maze of movements that these deer are doing, and it really is, or could possibly be, that one thing that decides to give you a chance, um, you know, There's going to be a lot of different things that you're going to do throughout the season. Some things are going to work, some things aren't. You're going to see failure, you're going to see success, but this could be one thing that could give you that one extra chance. This may lead to that one hunt that you may have actually chosen a different stand, just acting upon your gut or whatever, but you're relying upon his movement tendencies that you've gathered, um, hopefully even for over years, Uh, that is going to be the difference. And that's a great point to end on, I guess I will say this, is deer become, and I learned this from Bill Vale of pressured deer, deer become a buck specific. A specific deer will will show tendencies in any given year, month to month, day to day, they begin to show it. Year to year, those tendencies really begin to show. The farther you can gather data, the more data you have, for months and years the farther out you get the more predictable these deer become so if a buck has shown the tendencies now 3 years running to to utilize something in this fashion chances are unless something drastically has changed in that buck's life if he shows a tendency during around halloween he shifts his pattern and his movements and he begins his cycle of checking uh doe bedding areas he's gonna do that within a few days either direction this year and you know this you know maybe there's a corridor that you get a picture of him every single year in a three or four day window during midday when he's cruising i'm gonna hunt that deer on that day if the wind allows and I'm gonna find a way to do it. If the wind doesn't allow, I'm gonna to try to find a way around it. And maybe I'll do an all-day sit, but I'm gonna to try to make it happen. Um, you know, I, I owe a lot to to Bill Vale expressing to me. You know, dear are reactionary animals. We need to be proac- proactive in our hunting. We have the ability to analyze data. They have the ability to react to things. So, and that's that. When you, when you start thinking about it like that, you really begin to realize. You know, if we do everything we possibly can not only does this become very involved and challenging and maybe this isn't maybe that isn't for you but it begins to show you that in a lot of senses i think a lot of times we write our seasons off because of the neighbors or because of you know the deer just weren't there or well a lot of the times it's because of us we weren't making the right decisions we weren't hunting smart we weren't we weren't we were we were just waiting to be reactionary to the deer movements and i want to be proactive in how i hunt So maybe next time we'll sit down and uh, when I do the the next podcast and we'll discuss, you know, what leads me to choosing my stand locations. And one of the biggest things I want to stress to people is if you can, no matter how uh, good they look, how bad they look, if you can add multiple hunting locations, hunting properties, uh, do so. It it really helps spread yourself across and not pressure stuff as well. I understand in this day and age, um, it's harder to get access but that will allow you to at least enjoy the woods and hunt and maybe not burn out a location because if you're a lot like me, maybe you only have one location. You know, there were times where I only had my parents' homestead property. It was nine acres of woods, and that's all I had. So I completely understand that. That'll be a future podcast, and maybe we'll discuss how I've garnered access to property um, and had pretty decent luck doing that. But until next time, guys, God bless. Good luck out there. Wear your safety harnesses. Be safe. Some of you in Kentucky have already been capitalizing on deer and you're already hitting the woods. Some of you in the coming uh, week, you're going to be opening, and then many of us are in on October 1st. So just uh, sit back and begin to analyze all those pictures you have, even from years past. If you've got a buck running around you've been after for three years, sit down some night, grab a good bourbon, and uh, start logging all those things in, and maybe you can start to see tendencies that these bucks exhibit. I guarantee you there's a tendency out there for every single deer that, you're pur- that everybody out there is listening, that is pursuing and chasing. I guarantee you that. The question is, are you willing to put in the time and effort and energy to try to figure out where that tendency lies? And then, take it one step further, figure out what you can do to capitalize upon it. This is Ty. I hope you figure that out. And I hope this season is an awesome one for you. God bless, and good luck out there.